for this one, I put the bid in and then I went upstairs and I said, uh, yeah, I might be getting another computer. And they said, please no. And I said, don't worry, it only weighs about a ton. You know, <laughs> it only weighs almost 2,000 pounds. And, and you know, I said, oh, about five feet tall, five feet deep, three feet wide, you know. Get it, you know, and like, you know, where are you gonna put this? And at that point, my mother gave up. She, you know, she was, she was out of the argument. My, my father was like, "What are you gonna do with this?" And I'm like, "I don't know, put it somewhere." Welcome to the Masters of Mainframe podcast series, the show that connects you with the latest and greatest from the world of innovation on Big Iron. I'm Des Blanchfield, your host and fellow mainframe enthusiast. Believe it or not, ever since I was a teenager working after school on a part-time job at a local data center, loading paper and line printers and running batch jobs off tape drives on mainframes, I had long held this dream of heading off to the US and visiting the home of the mainframe. Well, guess what? I'm here. I'm in Poughkeepsie, New York State in the USA, I'm here as a guest of the IBM Z team and a big shout out to Stephanie and Ryan. Thank you so much for making this lifetime dream come true. Now today I have the opportunity to catch up with three of the youngest and brightest minds to enter the IBM mainframe space right here in Poughkeepsie. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my guests. Will, Connor and Ed. Will, could you perhaps just quickly introduce yourself and uh, who you are and what you do here? Hi, I'm uh, Will Troutman. I, uh, I've been at IBM for about eight months. Four of those months were at an internship and I started full-time about two months ago. And I'm on the Z Systems characterization and bring up team. Connor, tell us about yourself. Who are you? And uh, I'm sure everyone knows your name, but uh, uh, who? what do you do here? Um, my name's Connor Kukrowski, or more well-known as the mainframe kid. Uh, I, uh, I work in the uh, Z chip uh, bring up and development team. Uh, I work in engineering data, uh, kind of the bowels of what sets up and configures the chip from a uh, cold boot. So Cool. We'll get into that in more detail in a minute. And Ed, tell us about yourself. Who are you and what do you do here? So my name's Ed Pryor. Um, I work down in uh, function test for ZOS, specifically um, allocation and SMF. So I'm basically a paid hacker who tries to break the system before it gets out into the wild. Oh, I like that. We're definitely going to riff on that. Um, Connor, I'm going to start with you because you've got uh, probably the best-known story as to how you came to be here. Um, maybe just a couple of minutes on how, how did you come about being at IBM Poughkeepsie in the mainframe uh, world? I mean, we, we've kind of heard about you being the, a mainframe kid. You've got yourself a second-hand mainframe. You've now got uh, an astounding collection. I think I heard you earlier say something like 100 old computers and four in particular, my favorites, the, uh, the Tadpole Spark workstations or laptops or whatever. Yeah. Um, Start with how you kind of came to have an IBM mainframe and what brought you to Poughkeepsie and, and the whole journey getting to IBM. So um, I've, I've always known, you know, once I started collecting computers around, I don't know, 12 years old, 14 years old, uh, I, I've always known of IBM and, and the mainframe. I always knew it as, you know, this monolithic thing that existed. But, you know, I never really kept up with newer stuff. And, you know, somebody posted on a list saying, hey, look, you know, there's this somewhat old mainframe available secondhand it's cheap and i'm like well that's interesting i want to learn more about these machines you know let's go for it yeah. and all that happened um and so after i gave the talk that i gave um you know ross Morey from ibm uh you know came to me and said you know w you know we'd like to you know we'd like to 
you know, show you the plant and all that. And it's ironic because I actually wanted to ask them, can I get a tour? Yeah. Uh, because I knew, you know, Poughkeepsie <laughs> is where it all started. Uh, yeah. 360 was developed here, and it's still where we develop and build mainframes, it, you know, since the 50s, 60s, you know, up to today. And so. there's an amazing history in this building and the series of buildings around it, which I'm going to get into in a minute with you. Um, Ed, give us a bit of um, your version of kind of, you know, what, what brought you to IBM Poughkeepsie? What, what turned you on about mainframes and excited you about coming here? So I, much like Connor, had a, a very long history of being into, for me it was robots. I've always loved robots, probably okay. from an early exposure to sci-fi. But um, when I was going to school, it was originally to study electrical engineering to hopefully get into robotics. Um, about halfway through that education, um, I decided to shift gears and move into the computer science side. Right. And that's where I really fell in love with the idea of working with computers in particular. Um, flash forward a couple of years to uh, I'm up in SUNY Potsdam, and I crashed the Clarkson Career Fair. Uh, right. <laughs> not, not our career fair, the Clarkson one. Um, and I bump into the IBM table, and I start talking with them. And I mention, you know, I've been doing all this learning in assembly language, and it's really one of the most fun things I've ever done. And the, the recruiter <laughs> looks at me like I offered him a pile of gold or something. And next day at 8 in the morning, I've got an interview. And an hour later, I've got five more interviews. And then I ended up here working with some of the most interesting low-level code I've never yeah. had the chance to poke at. It's not every day that somebody just walks up to your stand at a, at a show of any form and says, hi. And says, hi, I like assembler. <laughs> My name's language. Ed and I like assembler. I think we need to get that on a T-shirt. Let's come back to that. <laughs> Let's come back to that in a minute. Um, Will, what um, what kind of switched you on to coming to IBM Poughkeepsie, and particularly the mainframe world? I mean, it's a really unusual career path in today's world where everyone wants to go and play with AWS in the cloud and muck around with iPhones. Yeah, so I guess I was always... a. Uh, it's going to be kind of a long story. I was always into music and, like, synthesizers and all that kind of stuff. I uh, Throughout college, I was building, like, amps and guitar pedals and stuff. And okay. I was originally an environmental engineer. And at the end of my freshman year of college, I realized, not that this is everything environmental engineers do, but I didn't want to be testing river samples my entire life. And I switched <laughs> over to electrical engineering um, because I wanted to learn more about, you know, what made, like, synthesizers and all this yeah. music equipment work. And then I was going through my electrical engineering degree, and I started taking some like low-level coding classes that really interested me. Interested me too, and I feel like being on the mainframe is a perfect mix of low-level coding and also actual physical chip design. Mm. So it was kind of this merger between actual circuitry and coding that I really liked. Right. Well, curiously, in some of the early work, it was done around. Um, uh, probably brands that are no longer here um, synthesizers and, and I guess synthesizing music it was actually done on mainframe mm-hmm. uh, and if I, I think I'll have to verify this but I think some of the original 2001 stuff was done on the mainframe as well because there's always this joke that HAL 9000 and the 2001 <laughs> movie is a bit of a you know shift by right. one um, but anyway they say it's not um, Connor you had some fun getting that mainframe into your house you I think I remember reading you took a chainsaw to a balcony or something to get it under there um how on earth did you go about convincing um, <laughs> your folks to let you chop so, a hole in so, the house to get a mainframe in there? So, uh, yeah, you know, I uh, I really kind of just, uh, you know, for for most of the other stuff that I got, you know, smaller stuff, I just got it and brought it home. You know, mm. my parents were like, oh, gosh, you know, another computer. Uh, fit in, and then I went upstairs and I said, uh, yeah, I might be getting another computer. And they said, please, no. And I said, don't worry, it only weighs about a ton. You know, it only weighs... <laughs> almost 2,000 pounds and and you know I said eh, about 
five feet tall, five feet deep, th three feet wide, you know? get it you know and like you know where are you gonna put this and at that point my mother gave up she you know she was she was out of the argument my my father was like what are you gonna do with this and i'm like i don't know put it somewhere set it up and yeah my, my parents uh learned to to, to kind of not you know like they they wanted to support me with this yeah. they were kind of like after that machine if nothing happens and you know and i just want to get another they probably would have stopped me i think that would have been the tipping point the tipping but before point. that yeah. before that they were like okay this is an innocent enough hobby it takes up a lot of space but he's learning a lot so it's fine um but yeah if, if none of this happened i'm sure i would not have gotten another any other machine you're like because, the house on an eagle pub yeah that um, and i was just running out of room <laughs> well it's a good point actually i mean uh i mean and having come from a, a completely non-technical background myself my parents uh didn't go through any academic background and they certainly didn't um have anything to do with technology uh, it was a similar experience of like whatever whatever gadget I bought home and wanted to pull apart. I remember pulling a stereo apart and working out how the amplifier worked, and it just filled the entire kitchen from end to end with bits. And then when I put it back together, there were three things that I never found a home for, but it still worked. And my parents figured out, oh, okay, well, um, we might just back this and support it because it's going to go somewhere. Maybe he's not that stupid after all. Um, Ed, did your parents have a similar experience uh, around the sort of not perhaps a mainframe, but like you know what? What kind of epiphanies did your parents maybe have where they sort of turn around and went, okay, well, you know, you may eventually not... I bet they didn't anticipate learning assembler, but, like, did, did you think parents sort of looked at... Your parents looked and went, okay, well, let's just, let's just let them run with this thing and see where it goes. Yes. Uh, I had kind of a bad habit when I was much younger of... Um, disassembling things also so uh things i remember taking apart include uh a crt monitor uh, oh wow a pocket calculator um i believe i got into the guts of a cpu or the the yeah. old beige towers before yeah. um i think i did one of those in um eventually they wised up and got me one of those this is gonna really sound old one of those radio shack electronic Mm -hmm. kit boards mm -hmm. where you could they give you a bunch of instructions a bunch of components and you wire up a bunch of different projects you know it was one of the greatest things yeah, ever yeah. and i stopped breaking things after they got me that because it's like oh man i can wire up a voice synthesizer it was pretty incredible right um man radio shack is a good place I'm sad they my, my parents tried that on me they tried to get me those kits multiple family members did that, that wasn't enough i just wanted to More take things apart now. Well, I just I just like taking things apart. I like mm. seeing what made it tick. I like I don't think I have a single toy from my childhood that survived other than like Legos. Like that's because Legos everything need to be taken. Well, yeah, apart. exactly. <laughs> so like everything else, I've destroyed. Like like there like every time they like birthday christmas they'd say make it last a week or two at least please <laughs> because they knew i was going to tear it apart eventually and you know just oh, at some point dude. they gave up and stopped caring and my grandmother learned pretty quickly well just take them to goodwill every once in a while let them buy some that's junk for 10 idea. bucks mm -hmm. and tear it apart and then throw it away later. that's classic fun fact about the legos i still have them spread out on my apartment floor yeah i, I refuse to get rid of my kids like as well yeah, will well. do you think your parents had a moment where they were like let's just let him run wild how much freedom did you get as a kid to kind of just go and break things test things and kind of think uh, freely i always my parents kind of they knew how to deal with uh, like an active kid because you know I played drums and I was always playing drums in the basement. That was like annoying enough that like anything else I did was just whatever. Um, <laughs> I do remember taking apart this like um, this rack mounted like '70s echo delay unit mm -hmm. that I found at some like estate sale, 
and then after I take it apart, I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually way too complicated for, like, my 12-year-old brain, <laughs> and totally broke it. Like, four years later, I'm scrolling through some, like, eBay site, and I see the one that I took apart, and I'm like, that was $600? What have I done? Oh, like, wow. no. Did you buy it? <laughs> no. Oh, I'm a sucker for that. I, yeah. I see stuff I've owned before, and, like, my wife just turns around, not a Macintosh SE30, please. <laughs> oh, I've got a few of those skinny um, parts. <laughs> I think it's I think it's interesting that you know, and, and we're going to have a fairly young listener group listening to this because of the audience, or the, the guests I've got here. But I think it's interesting that um, a, a lot of young folk don't have that support. They don't kind of have you know. I mean, whether you're a, a six or seven year old or a twelve or eighteen year old, I think it's a really critical thing that parents are. You know, if they give kids freedom and you can mm-hmm. go and break things as long as you're not burning the house down, that they you do get to the point where you three are that you've kind of at the point where you're at IBM Poughkeepsie, you're the home of the mainframe, and you're now working on chips. You're working on software and you're working on a whole bunch of engineering challenges where in the chips where, you know, this is superhuman stuff for most people who are just thinking about getting a job at McDonald's and mm. here you are at IBM, right? Um, Ed, what, what kind of excites you the most about coming to work? Like you wake up in the morning, what gets you to jump out of bed and put your feet on the floor and rush into IBM Poughkeepsie's uh, <laughs> mainframe HQ and, you know, what, what really gets you excited when you get in here inside these free walls? And you, you talked about writing software and mm-hmm. playing on... Not so much ZOS, but I think, uh, well, no, you were in the heart of the ZOS. I, right? I am so, down yeah. in the heart of ZOS. Um, so what, one of the first things I do whenever I get in the morning, get here in the morning, is I uh, check up on the our test case regression, because I am a yeah. tester. I do break things professionally. So overnight, uh, we run a bunch of automated tests to see what works and what doesn't. I come in in the morning, and I, I get to go in and look at those, and I say, okay, that failed. Then I dive deep into, okay, why did it fail? How yeah. did it fail? Will it fail again? Um, and then I get the my personal favorite of walking over to the developer's office and bringing them this problem and saying, what do we do about it? Yeah. Uh, usually yeah. they give me a dirty look because it's another <laughs> thing they have to take care of. Another damn Perks bug. of being a tester is that I don't necessarily have to fix it. Right. Um, but then after that, it's my job to come up with, and this is something I did yesterday, and it was the most exciting thing I've done all day. Was, Can't wait to hear this. Oh, man. So we had, we had a, a meeting about a thing we're working on. Um, I'm going to keep it vague. That's okay. <laughs> um, and during the meeting, you know, the, my team turned to me and said, okay, we think we need to test these things. What else do we need to test? And I had spent the entire meeting saying, what if we do this? What if this right. thing is too long? Yeah. What if it's too short? What if it's zero? It's <clears throat> running through all of those possible combinations of awful things I can do to this piece of software um, really just makes me excited and yeah. feel alive. It's kind of like the ultimate hacker challenge, isn't it? Because you're, you're mm-hmm. actually being paid to kind of legitimately hack a piece of Absolutely. hardware and software in the ecosystem, the operating system. And I mean, I, you know, looking at the the things that have been done recently, particularly with um, what's happening with encryption and so forth, when it's happening on the chip and then off the chip. I mean, putting something in the pipeline of a chip and making it sit inside a level one, two, or three cache. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a non-trivial challenge. And oh, yeah. you know, if you're doing it at bytecode level. Things can go wrong. Absolutely, they can. Um, I guess, Connor, you get to see a lot of that, given that you're actually working on chip design stuff. I mean, when you come, when you get up in the morning, what really excites you about coming to Poughkeepsie? You know, which pieces of things that do and don't break really turn you on about coming to work and and not wanting to just throw it all in one day and go work at McDonald's? So, so where I where I sit is um, I, I kind of sit between the um, you know chip designers and testers. So. What my what the what the code that I work on does is basically you know when you have a chip you've got all these registers latches you mm-hmm. know, all around the chip that have to be set up and configured for anything to work or run. 
Um, it gives you configuration information, uh, you know, and stuff, you know, just just general registers and things. And so my the code that I work on takes these raw files that you know chip design team uh, generate that you know have where all the all everything's laid out you know all the addresses of everything all these latches you know uh, multi you know ten you know very large files um, and then I take you know what what should be you know reset you know these files that fill that configuration and the tool set that I work on you know puts that all together makes a binary package and you know ships it out for yep. you know for the people who test these chips. So they go through and test, make sure all the registers work. And, you know, one really exciting side of things that I've been able to help work on is something where we actually simulate the chip and the machine, the, the, the SE on the machine. We yeah. simulate everything as if we have a physical machine before we ever have silicon. And, you know, that's a recent development that they've been working on over, you know, the last, you know, you know 10, 20 years, you know, recent for mainframe anyway. And that's been able to help them really, you know, find these bugs before we put it in silicon and have to spend a lot of time, you know, spinning silicon just to yeah, fix yeah. fine. Well, bugs. it's an expensive process, I guess, getting to the point where you're actually yeah, burning some wafers. And now with the with the smaller process nodes, yeah. yeah. Um, someone yesterday, I think it was like they're talking in the order of like what is it, six billion or six million bloody transistors in these things. I mean, there's a oh, lot yeah. of moving parts, right? And I saw on the floor um, yesterday in the test floor, there's like. You know, these dedicated beige boxes who effectively I think must be what you're talking about just emulate every element of the yeah, Z box yeah, the ones, yeah. and run it and run it and run it and run it and see what happens and just feed code through or feed business logic through or feed some data through and see what happens um, I almost got the point where that, that thing's as powerful as a mainframe because it's effectively simulating a mainframe <laughs> doing software and doing it billions of times just yeah well something that runs on the mainframe in three minutes takes three to four hours on the A1 so right, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of time scheduling when we have to use those Virtualizing anything's going to slow it down. Will, what gets you out of bed every morning to come here? What like what's the thing that really, really jazzes you about coming to work at IBM Poughkeepsie on mainframe kit? I like so, um, like on the characterization team, we run uh, a bunch of these like stress tests, uh, just simulating different processes that the consumer may be running on the chip at any point in time. And over the course of all our testing, we start to see that, oh, um, when data propagates through this path in this instance, uh, we see this fail or this like latch fails. And then um, over the course of the bring up process, we start to see similar um, patterns of fails across chips. And then we yeah. pull those chips to the side, group them together, and um, wait until you know we get to the, we have enough of these where it's like, oh, this is an actual problem that we need to figure out why it's, this is happening. So I run a, a ton of different tests, a ton of different um, simulating a bunch of different things the consumer may be doing, and I just adjust like one variable here, tweak the power here, like um, it's all this all this different stuff, and see if it like brings out the fail or fixes it. So whenever I'm running tests for like a 12-hour test, and I get into the morning and I'm like, oh, this didn't do anything. That's just a major bummer. But like last night, I was. I kicked off a test at like 1 a.m. and I woke up today and it's like, oh, this this did it. It like fixed the thing. <laughs> and I talked to my team lead like Sean. I got great news. Like that is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I guess, and it's hard. I mean, you know, folk listening to this probably find it hard to grasp initially, but uh, you know, the complexity of what you're working with and the, the 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 breadth of challenge you're dealing with when you know when you're saying changing even just the voltage or something, changing one variable that affects potentially billions if not trillions of things that flow on after that 
I mean, it's almost like the ultimate geek problem because it's mathematical, it's engineering, it's design, it's hardware, it's a bit of software in it. Is depending on what data is going through. I mean, I think one of you mentioned that you know if you change the zero here, it's going to flow there. Mm. If it, if you don't change it, the data is not going to get copied. Um, what's the well? What's the most surprising thing you found about being here? Like, what's the thing? One thing that you did not expect about coming and working here and being part of this whole IBM family and particularly the the Z family. Um, I think just the like ease of cooperation and synergy that. I mean, at least at Poughkeepsie, there's a there's a noticeable age difference between. Yep, slightly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. And yeah. you guys have funkier haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, it's just there's we have all these twenty year olds, early thirty year olds, and then we got this gap in all these older people, and just we work great together, and there's really no, it hasn't been an issue at all. Yeah. People yeah, th- I think it's an intellectual thing, isn't it? Like, if, mm-hmm. if you put a bunch of people in a room and they're really smart, then they're not really going to look at the age, race, creed, sex, mm-hmm. religion, whatever. They're just going to ask you a technical question if you just gel. Um, Ed, has that kind of been your experience? That you know, I mean, you've come in here, you're a kid that walked up into mm-hmm. a, a, a basically a show and said, I can do assembly and they're going to rock on, we'll have you. Yeah. But then I imagine most of your peers are 30, 40 years older than you and they're, yes. you know, have you found it a fairly seamless integration into that? I mean, I'm sure there's some challenges around that. Oh, there's there's always challenges sure. just interacting with people in general. Um, but here I've found that I have not had any instance where I didn't connect with one of my peers or mentors on a, on a communication level. They're phenomenal people who have an incredible depth of knowledge and just being able to pick their brains and having them be so willing to have their brains picked on a regular basis has yeah. been a phenomenal yeah. thing. Um, it's, it's gotten to the point where after we did our new higher education uh, stuff, I was approached and agreed to step on and help educate the next batch Brilliant. of new guys. No, no, not in small yeah. part so that our current yeah. education lead can retire. <laughs> <laughs> what was the pity? Yeah, it is a pity, but he's a phenomenal guy, and I enjoy yeah, learning yeah. from him every day that I can. I, I guess that's something that Connor, um, in many ways, I mean, you, you know, you're you're a standout story because of your your mainframe and so forth. But if we took that aside for a moment, um, I mean, you probably epitomize everything that IBM's looking for in your approach to life and your approach to problem solving. And the fact that you're willing to put all of your pocket money into buying outrageously funny things. Um, which after about the 99th must have kind of got a bit quirky. But um, uh, if you take out the, the fame that came with that, I mean, how have you found the integration to coming into a company like IBM and, and, and particularly the very niche space that is IBM Poughkeepsie with the mainframe space? What's your journey been like and what surprised you the most about it? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I I, I really hadn't have. I didn't have really have any work experience outside of uh, IBM other than, you know, my parents run their own, you know, tech company. They mm-hmm. did IT and now they do web development. And, you know, I worked for them, but, you know, I never really worked anywhere else. So I really had no idea what to expect. And, of course, you know, knowing it's a large corporation mm-hmm. and, you know, looking at their history, it, there was always a suit and tie business. You know, they were always, yeah. they always put out this, you know, ex- exuding amount of, you know, professionalism. And, you know, so I, you know, I really thought, you know, it was going to be this really strict thing, you know. Um, and so I, I really had no idea what to expect. But, you know, I get here and, you know, I'm able to talk to people, you know, everybody's a human, you know, everybody's a human being. Everybody, you know, we're, we're all in it together. Nobody's, you know, yeah. it's not like anybody's out to get anybody. I've never, there's not one person in this entire plant. I, I've met a lot of people here. <laughs> yeah. Probably more than, you yeah, know, you two definitely. combined. 
and like not one person I wouldn't work with on on a you know, okay. on a like I would share an office with anybody. You know, yeah. everybody's great. If I ask a question to one person and they don't know it, they'll point me in the right direction to the right person who would know it. Um, you know, and so if I if I need help with anything, I'll, I'll get it. And you know, and the other thing, you know, it's great. I, I you know. I love the history of this stuff and I could talk to so many of these people and a lot of them will, you know, like, Oh, I remember that, you know, or they'll, they'll, they'll go back on that history as well and say, yeah, that was a, you know, it was a great thing or maybe that was a terrible thing, you know, whatever, whatever. And, you know, and and it goes to show that they, you know, they really do care about, you know, the company and what they've put out as well. Um, And I mean, I like that. Now you did mention, I think it was you that mentioned when you first got here, you actually got a book about the history of the buildings and whatnot. Was that it was, you that got it? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. when I after my did you first get the broken year, chip? Did you? <laughs> after my first year, I did get the book of uh, history of IBM, yeah. which was nice. I guess that speaks a lot to, about um, the, the company's culture in, in, in general. And that is, I mean, you know, as you said, if you walk down the hall and you speak to somebody, they they just take you for face value. They're happy to chat with you. If they can't help you, they move you on. But also, just there's a, a I guess a a pedigree that comes with the organization that's been around for decades and decades, 60 plus years, is that um, you know they have published a book about their history. They have published a book that they're kind of proud to share and so much that you get it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys didn't get a book though. I understand you're going to steal Ed's. Uh, <laughs> what was the quirky thing that you got? Um, Will, what quirky thing did you get when you got here? I got um, just a, a dud SCM. Um, just one of the chips we have in the mainframe didn't work and... That was your Christmas present. Yeah, third or fourth day here. Yeah, my team lead said, "Hey, here, we'll take this." I don't know. That's a. It's the heatsink on it. It has like a really nice weight to it. It's yeah. It's therapeutic. Yeah. There's all these little bits and pieces that when you walk up and down the halls here yeah. in, the, in the design studio or whatever it is that uh, you know you look at them. There's a couple of them in the case that look like it should be a bolted to the carburetor of a car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you had a mainframe, so well, what on earth did you get that that up to mainframe? I, I mean, I, I kind of let it be known, to, you know, everybody that I you know, I collect this stuff. I, yeah. I like the history, so I've had people, you know, over you know the almost two years I've been here now, um, just you know, hand me random things, and uh, one one time somebody said. You know, here I found this, and just handed me this plastic carrier with an old MCM out of one of the old, you know, giant machines. You know, it have like you know, like forty dies on there back when they, you know, didn't have. You know, it would take, you know, a fairly large die to put, you know, forty yeah. transistors on. So, you know, this big white ceramic, you know, thing, and it's like these things are hard to find, but you know, they're just randomly laying around on a shelf here because it's where everything's always been made. <laughs> Um, they keep one of everything. Yeah, um, yeah, and I mean, so I, I've gotten lots of little knickknacks, um, and you know, it's 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 great because you know, like IBM's, you know, really just they they I mean they have an archive and they keep mm-hmm. all this stuff, and yeah. I've seen some of the archive stuff, and they you know they care about their history, um, you know, and uh, you know a lot of other companies you know don't even think about it, you know they'll they'll yeah. they'll you know they'll be like well you know i made we made this product okay it's shipped whatever it's done okay let's throw, throw away everything throw everything else out yeah. and move on you know so yeah. no, it is it is interesting if you were um so in a minute i'm going to get each of you to gaze into a virtual crystal ball and see what comes over the horizon for you and play with my favorite uh, pun which is what's on the horizon <laughs> um but before that just really briefly if you were going to give 60 seconds with advice starting with you will anybody that that may have no clue about what they want to do in their life and particularly work, what would be your sort of short um, piece of advice around how to approach even just getting to the point where they are approached by IBM and get a job at an amazing place like this? Well, uh, you know, some people say, like, do what you love. 
And, I mean, if you do something that you love, but it's not quite, you know, not going to, for lack of a better word, it's like super useful or lucrative. Just mm-hmm. take bits and parts of what you find really interesting and uh, apply it to something that can be turned into a bigger picture sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It is a, it's a big challenge, isn't it? Because we, we all have passion about things. We all love things. I and mean, I'm not going to mention what I get into because it'll make you laugh. But um, <laughs> most of what I enjoy outside of what I do for work is not monetizable at all. No one would pay me to do it. In mm-hmm. fact, pay me, people will pay me to stop doing it in some cases. <laughs> Um, Ed, your 60-second takeout, well, like if, you know, if you're yeah. in a room, yeah. in fact, if you went back to your old college or whatever, what, what would you say to some of the folk there mm. who are saying, how did you get a job? How did you get yeah. to this career path? So, fun fact, I do actually go back to Potsdam twice a year to okay. advise the current crop of CS students. Fantastic. But things that I try to keep in mind when talking to them are um, try things, right? When you're in school, it's very easy to think of your electives or those odd degree requirements as things you have to survive or float classes to help you pump up your gpa that's not really the right way to look at it you know they're they're an easy excuse for you to try new things and maybe discover something you love i wouldn't have really gotten exposed to cs if i hadn't taken um computer science one as part of the electrical engineering path before i switched so and if you're worried about the cost of trying things in a tech related into uh field lost my Mm, words there for a second um I this is going to be a shameless plug, but I love the Raspberry Pis. Mm, yep, the I'm thirty-five dollar computer. It's an insanely easy way to get into tech. Yeah. Um, I actually hosted Raspberry Pi education here on site oh, right. last year, two days after Pi Day because there was a blizzard on Pi Day last year. Oh damn! It was close, but we didn't make it. <laughs> I think the Raspberry Pi recreated what my generation was. I turned fifty last year, so I'm a dinosaur compared to you kids, but. Um, you know, my first computer was a Commodore 64. It was $385. And in fact, I, I paid for my first computer by making fly fishing ties at 40 cents a pop. You can do the math on how many of those I can make. And they don't all turn out right. Uh, and there was this weird moment where I turned up to this just an electronics store selling other TVs and stuff and threw the $350 cash down because my mum had to drive me there. Uh, and the guy's like, what are you going to plug it into? What do you mean? Oh, no. I need a monitor, right? Um, So I had to borrow $150 from my mom to buy a big black and white TV. But the Pi did really recreate that. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, the guys talk about why they did in the first place. It recreated the accessibility of technology. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have to buy a $1,000 laptop and then do a Connor and pull it apart and then maybe not have it working at all. Eventually it will when you fix it because you're a genius. But... um, yeah, I do love that because it, you know it runs everything, right? It's Absolutely. essentially the same stack that you get on a one IU or two IU mm-hmm. server. It's just a tiny little bit slower, yeah. although not so much these days. ARM processor with a couple gigs of yeah. RAM. Uh, I've heard of people putting everything from a Linux <clears throat> install to Windows 10 to possibly even Windows 95 on them. So they really cover a wide so, variety of different operating systems. Well, I'm curious enough, I, I build blocks of 64 of them, and we put stuff mm-hmm. like Cassandra and Hadoop oh, and Spark yeah. on it, and uh, put it into I've, schools and teach them. So. I've run SimH on it and, ran, and yeah. simulated a VAX and then hooked it through the network to two real VAXs <laughs> from the 80s really? and ran a VAX cluster, yes. It's wow. We get a whole <laughs> podcast just on that. If, yeah. if we, Connor, if we took out your mainframe um, wild moment, if we, if we were to sort of say, if you weren't the mainframe kid and all the fame that came with that, which is cool, but if you were just yourself um, outside of that, what would be the advice you'd give to your peers at school? Kind of, you know, wh- you know, I 
I really, I really want to, I really want to take, you know, kind of on both of what Will and Ed said. Um, so for, for, for Will, you know, he started playing music drums, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there, how many kids want to play an instrument and become the next rock star? Mm. You know, <laughs> many. Like, I think we all do eventually. Yeah. At one point, we all exactly. Do. Yeah, and I started picking up guitar, you know, two weeks ago. So I think everybody does at some point. But you know, you 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 were interested in effect pedals and thought they were interesting and you know delved into that you're like well what makes these tick mm. you know in it's something where i think it takes a lot of you know it, it it's something a lot of people just pass by nobody thinks about well you know what what could be something that would be interesting that's a part of my main passion that's not directly you know yep. my my passion and you know, because like you know, people might really enjoy music, and it's like, well, become a sound engineer. Then there are a lot of those needed. Yep. Sure, you might not get to play an instrument on a daily basis, but it's still something where you'll get to work with music yep. if that's yeah. your passion. And you know, with what Ed said, you know, in college, you know, I, I haven't even finished a degree yet. I'm probably going to go back. Uh, IBM's got a program here that you know helps you pay for college. It's mm-hmm. great. Um, and you know, so I'm probably going to go back, but. When I was going to college, I was taking all these classes, all these different classes. I was mostly in the you know arts department because I was doing like you know videography, game design, you know the stuff that I just found interesting. You know all these weird classes, and you know it's it's unfortunate because you know back in high school, you know I like I would I flunked you know you know chemistry, and it's like you know it's unfortunate I did because chemistry really is an interesting thing. You know I think a lot of people look back later in life, you know, like hey, you know this thing that I thought was stupid at the time you know math chemistry whatever it is is kind of an interesting thing and there's a lot of cool things you can do with it um and you know and then that and you know in my opinion just if you find something you like and you know there's jobs out there for it but there might not be many just be the most passionate you can for it because you know really what they look at is like when ed you know Mm -hmm. walked up to those ibm people said i love assembly yeah you know that's the instant they knew like if somebody's saying they absolutely love something and they have Mm -hmm. a passion for it and they're not being ironic about it yeah they they're they're interested in them because if you care about something you're going to do a better job at it than somebody who just thinks it's a job that's a really good point actually I, i like that because um it's a very similar thing that I experienced in that I, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I just knew I loved tech. And mm-hmm. I obsessed in the computer space because my generation that were into technology generally linked to that in some way because it was sort of the, the fast, rapid growing thing. But not everybody made it through that process become something to do with computer science. But you're right. It, there is always something around the edge of what you're passionate about you can get into. I think the thing that really jumps out of me out of all three of you is there's, there's, there's a creative spark. So regardless of whether you've come from music or playing with software and assembler or whether you pulled mainframes apart, there's like a creative spark where you've just asked that question, what if or how or where, and you just followed that little rabbit hole down until mm-hmm. you found a shining light at the end of it. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, the rest of the generations ahead of us all have that as well. I've, I've got a 14-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter, and I see that in them that I've, I look for where they're passionate. I look for where they're at and just support yeah. them as much as I can. Yeah, and, and that's that's the important thing. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Like like people, you know, people are like, well, you know, I, I want to do music, but what if? And just yeah. don't ask the what if. Just do it. It's okay because to fail. because it's yeah, it's it's fine. Well, that's if a good it, point. Yeah, and and but you probably won't if you go for it full you know full steam ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if I got the mainframe and was questionable <laughs> about it, I probably would have never gotten it running. You know, I mm. probably would have never done anything mm. with it. I probably would have just had to sit there. Yeah. But I went for it. I delved into it. I spent like three solid months of time from sleep to you know awake to sleep just you know trying to get this thing working and you know and that's 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 the thing right you know 
a lot of my learning is just through doing it, you know, yeah. just going for it. And so I've got a lot of failed stuff, you know, stuff that doesn't work. And, you know, in people who are in the field will look at it and say, you know, oh, what are you doing? You know, just, just get, like, education on it. Well, no, that's, you know, just the important thing is showing you've got passion for it and going for it. Because even if you don't know everything, it doesn't matter. You, you, never, you never go to a job and know everything. You, yep. There's always on-site training. There's always, and I think that's a lot a misconception a lot of people have as well. Is if you go to work at a company like IBM, you've got to know everything you've got to do. No, yeah. no, you, you, like especially with IBM, there there's very little mainframe education out yeah. there at colleges yeah. anymore. You know, Marist down the road from Poughkeepsie, the place the a mainframe is made yeah. is one of the few colleges that does it anymore. And you know, and it's like that's fine because if you come here. We're yeah. going to educate you. People here are going to educate you on what your job is, how stuff works, and that's fine. They, you know, they're, you know, yeah. your your coworkers aren't paying your 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 yeah. bills, so why, you know, yeah. they're that's it's very important to understand that because yeah, like this morning point. my uh, uh, I ran a test that I've never ran before, and then it finished this morning, and my team lead asked, "Hey, Will, did you look through the results? What do they look like?" And I said, "I've never ran this test before. I don't know." I'm not sure what I'm looking at, and then I went over to his office, and he showed me, and now, Perfect. now I know. <laughs> yeah, everybody thinks, like, if they don't yeah. know something, they're going to get, you know, smacked for it, and it's like, no, it's there fine. Is, there is, a, I think globally there's a, a, a an idea of that form that, you know, coming out of any form of education, or even if you don't finish a college degree, that, that companies need you to immediately be a 10-year experienced uh, specialist in something, but no, it is a good point, and I think, you know, you just got to try things, you know, because if you, even if you have a moonshot and you only get to the end of the street, you're still ahead of where you started, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody gets on a bike and rides the first time. We all fall over and get a, a bit of a scratch here and there. If you were to do the crystal ball gaze, I mean, you know, where do you want to be in five to ten years, right? Where's Will in, in uh, 2026, 2028? You know, what do you, what do you want to do in the next sort of five to ten years? You've been here, you've had some experience, mm-hmm. you've got a great job, you've met some fantastic people and peers, but yeah, medium to long term. Where do you, where do you see yourself going? Well, hopefully by then my album will have taken off. I'll be a famous <laughs> musician. No. <laughs> uh, we'll get you chatting to Will I Am. He'll make that happen. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, just improving the efficiency of our team because there's. I mean, I've only been on the team for um, two months, and I interned for four months earlier. But I came on right at the end of basically the hell of bring up, where people are on the test floor for right. 12 hours a day cramming work to get to written time and I foresee myself being part of something that pushes automation to the point where we don't have to do that the crystal ball thing right so if I were to look ahead I, I can't tell you because that's one thing that I also want to say with people you know who might have a passion for something your passions will change yeah I, in 10 years, I think I'll still be here. I, I think I'll still be very passionate about the platform and what, the work that I do here. Uh, I don't know where I'll be, but I have a 30-year mortgage. I'm probably still going to be here. Uh, but, <laughs> a mortgage but, does tend to slow yeah, you down a little bit. But, and then there's children, so prepare yourself for yeah. that. Um, but, you know, the point being is, is your passions change. And if they change, that's okay. Don't feel like you've got to be tied to something. There are so many people out there that have degrees in something they're not actually working in. Right. That's um, a good point. Because after yeah. a certain period, it's just a piece of paper. Yeah. Cool. Well, there you go. Well, I think we'll wrap up on that fantastic note. Mm-hmm. Um, Will, Ed, Connor, what a pleasure to meet you all. Um, Connor, it's been long overdue we caught up. I have I, I have to say, I'm actually excited about being in Poughkeepsie as much as you guys are excited about working here. 
because um, as a 14 year old kid I cut my teeth on mainframes and then sort of skived off school by faking my mum's signature to get out <laughs> I think my teachers all thought I had psychological and dental issues because I used to get off school so often with forged notes um, you, so I finally got here you can come by my place it's a mile down the road and see some of the chaos of computing that I have going on you know on. I'd never leave right and then somebody would get upset about not being at Think fine next week how long did your visa last that's <laughs> uh, a permanent arrangement guys thanks so much for your time it's been a pleasure meeting you all and um, I look forward to keeping up with the next sort of you know, three to five to ten years and what you're doing and congratulations on getting here and hopefully you keep inspiring your generation and future generations on doing something similar cool. awesome. thanks for your time Thank you so much.